of it today. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and he says this. I write these things to you. So this is everything previous from this chapter. I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. So Paul was wanting to see Timothy. But if I should be delayed because of traffic on the 15. <laughs> come on, that's a real thing right now. But if I should be delayed, I have written so that you know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. I mean, that's, that's just a strong statement right there. And what he's dealing with, he's dealing with dysfunction. He, he was dealing with a church that had lost its way on, on some things. A lot of the letters, actually, within the New Testament is Paul correcting the church. He's saying, you got, we, so he's got to crack some bones and set them again, and he's got to slap some people around. And uh, they're actually really aggressive in some moments, as, as we've heard over the past few weeks. But he says, so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. And then here, here's this statement, watch this. Which is the church of the living God. The pillar and foundation of the truth. So if you've ever wondered what the church should be, Paul tells Timothy right here, the church is the church of the living God. It is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And most certainly the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh. Jesus vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Today, as we continue on in our series, Defense Against the Dark Arts, I want to speak to you from the subject, cheese boards, pork shanks, and Yelp reviews. <laughs> cheese boards, pork shanks. Y'all just laughed at pork shanks. It's a funny word. I get it. Like, it's a funny couple of words. Pork shanks and Yelp reviews as we deal with the strength, character, design, and spirit of the church. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, right now, speak to us. We need your voice. We don't need Jason's voice. So God, I just, I get out of the way right now. Um, I pray that your spirit would lead this conversation, that we'd hear your heart for the thing that you said you would build and the gates, would, the gates of hell would not prevail against it, your church. It is your plan A. And so God, I thank you for what it is that you're doing in this place. Refine us, teach us, challenge us. In this moment, in Jesus' mighty name, come on in the church, shouted, amen. amen. It was my wife's 40th birthday this, uh, this past week. I'm allowed to say that because she's owning it. She's proud of it. It's best by 40. And uh, man, I love her. I love her more every single day. And really is, it's, it's, it's been best, it's best by 40. She is, uh, she's amazing. She's actually at a women's conference right now. She'll be back um, today. But uh, the family took her out to dinner. We got to go out to dinner um, earlier this week at a restaurant called HSL. How many of you have ever been to HSL? It's downtown. Like three of us, four of us. Okay, cool. Um, this is not going to work well then for my <laughs> illustration. Uh, no, I'm just playing. So we, we took her out to this restaurant. She really wanted to go into it. Um, and it's one of those restaurants where you walk in, the wallpaper had like flowers and iguanas on the wall, um, which you know you're in a weird place when, when that's going on. That's their motif. And it was, it was you know, kind of swanky and like it had this, uh, this whole mood and they stuck us in a booth and, and we're, all, we're all sitting there and we're looking at the menu and uh, getting ready to eat. And so the first thing we got, because my family loves a good cheese board, is we got a couple cheese boards and when they came out, it was awesome. Like the cheese was amazing, the meat was, anybody getting hungry right now? Um, don't worry, it's gonna get worse. Okay, so, so we're, we're, we're eating it up and it was like this little, this jam and like mustard seeds, you know, the big mustard and, and pickles and the whole night, it was awesome. And so, um, so after that, everybody, and you can hear everybody and you know how 
like those of us comment on cheese boards, we really have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> we're like, mm, this cheese is so good, right? Like, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> so we moved on to the, to the main course and I ordered, a, I, I ordered a burger because uh, I said the burger, the burger was good. But um, a couple others uh, with us ordered the pork shank. And it came out on this big old rock. I kid you not, it was like a board. It was made of rock, and it came out, and there was just this big old piece of meat with a bone in it, which I was like, yes, that is awesome. So now I'm sitting there. Have you ever been at a restaurant and salivated over somebody else's dinner, and then you were disappointed in your life decision? <laughs> that was me. I was like, why did I get a burger? Jason, you've really got to explore some issues in your soul right now. So they're trying, and this pork shank was, was amazing. Pastor Seth had the pork shank. And so um, I just wanted to point you out because you came in late. So, um, just, so he had the pork shank. And, and it was one of those moments where, where it was my father-in-law and Pastor Seth. And the minute they like ate the pork shank, it was just like, oh, mm, mm. And you hear this like harmonious, mm, mm, oh, mm, mm, Faye, the corn is so scrumptious, right? For those of you who've seen that movie. Um, but... <laughs> It was this moment, everybody's talking about their food, and so now we go into the moment of the dinner where everybody moved from eating to judging. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Because all of us, all of a sudden, have become fit food critics since the event of Yelp. All of us feel like we now have the ability to tell a chef who has studied how good he is at his job. And so I remember walking out, and we were talking about it, and then it came, what would you rate this place? How many of you have been there before? You walk out, you eat your food, you leave. What would, what would you rate this place? Two stars, three stars. It was a four-star restaurant, by the way. Yelp, if you're watching, hook a brother up, okay? <laughs> How many stars would you rate this place? And the truth is, is that we stood there and we rated it with no vested interest in HSL. We'd give them our rating, we enjoyed the food, we enjoyed the atmosphere, maybe we'll be back one day. But how many of you know, no vested interest? I don't own stock in it, I don't have part ownership, no, no, no vested interest whatsoever. I've come to realize that the problem that we face today is that we've drafted this same mindset into the church. We come, we see, we taste, we experience, and then we rate. Because there's no real vested interest in the thing known as the church. We don't really care about what happens beyond Sunday, as long as Sunday, for the most part, meets our needs. Oh, it got quiet in church today. <laughs> Can you talk about food still? The problem is that the church is so much more than a restaurant for us to come in, order, taste, and receive. Paul, Paul writes to Timothy to give him this point. The church is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. It's in this statement that we have gravity, beauty, design, intention, mandate, and purpose for the church. The church is more than an event, it's more than a gathering, it's more than a social club, it's more than a community, it's more than a place of worship, it is more than an organization, and it's more than a location. It is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So the way that we see it, engage with it, treat it, build it, it matters to God. Come on somebody, it should matter to us. 
So what I wanna try to deal with today is this, this issue of rating the church versus being engaged in it. And I wanna tell you that this is not a message to try to get you to show up more. This is not a message to try to get you to give more. This isn't a message to try to get you to serve more. I hope that this message today, above all else, helps us understand the beauty and building of the church, that we would understand and honor it to a degree a whole lot more than we have a tendency to do, especially in the world right now that wants to throw rocks at it. And they have good course to be able to do so. But I believe that if we can build it right and do it right, we can pass it off to the next generation as this beautiful thing that carries on for generations to come. Y'all still with me? So we gotta deal with some of these issues. That's why we're gonna talk about church hurt next week because for some of us, the reason we can't engage in it is because we believe that it's hurt us. Well, let me first clarify, the building didn't hurt anybody. Somebody in the church hurts you. Come on. The organization didn't hurt you. People hurt you. People hurt me. I've been there, I've dealt with it. So we're gonna talk about some of these issues. Is this gonna help everybody? <laughs> So we have to have conversations like this one that we're having today and, and next week. The dark arts of the enemy, if you will, is to chip away at, erode, discredit, and annihilate the strength and witness of the church. It's our job, as it was given to, first, or to Timothy and Titus, it's our job to protect and defend the witness of the church by working diligently and with great care for it. So the question is, is how? How do we do this? Paul answers this question for us in various parts of his, his letters throughout the New Testament, <clears throat> including Timothy and Titus. But I wanna take us to a very clear, very distilled, very pointed moment found in Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna read 16 verses of scripture today, um, and then it's gonna help us press into, in, into this issue a little more. Does that work for everybody? Yeah. Ephesians chapter four, verses one through to 16. The reason we're gonna go to Ephesians is because Timothy has been set as the, the, the leader of the Ephesian church by the time we're seeing the writing from Paul to Timothy, okay? The, the letter to the Ephesians was written before the letter to Timothy, at least the first letter. Timothy's gonna come on the backside and be there in the latter years. But the reason this is important is because the Ephesian church dealt with these issues and I want you to see what's going on in this moment and then Paul tasked Timothy to keep on guarding it, keep on stewarding it, keep on leading it. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 says this. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all and through it all and in all. Boom, 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 boom. That's Paul right now. Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift where it says when he ascended on high he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature, here it is, measured by Christ's fullness. Wow. 
Then we will no longer, here it is, be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness in the teachings of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ, from him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. How many of you agree with me? That's loaded. It's a big piece of scripture right there. So let's, let's break it down over the next few minutes. Paul is dealing with the proportional relationship of parts that have been unified in Christ. This is background. We're doing some context, okay? Paul submits to us that missional unity is the default position of Christ's provision. Division, on the other hand, is the breakdown caused by lack of humility, meekness, patience, design, and sin. So when we see the church break down in who it's supposed to be, it means that those things are missing. Meekness, humility, love, sin is, is apparent. Not that we're perfect. We talked about this. Go back to the last series. You can get the qualifier on all that. But the church starts to break down. It starts to lose its ability to function. It loses its potency when all this stuff starts taking place. That's actually why we've been called to these things. Missional. Unity is of the utmost importance. Can I get an amen in church today? The reason that I use the term missional is because we need the descriptive word in front of the subject in order to qualify what we're talking about. Don't worry, I'm going, I'll get to practical points in a second, but I need you to stay with me, all right? Because the idea of unity has all but been hijacked to mean something entirely different than what we see prescribed to us in and through Scripture. We have overvalued and oversold unity as simply a utopian idea, one that means everyone likes each other, gets along, sees things all the same, is equal in gifting and entitled to preference. We have turned unity into a kindergarten experience where we share our lunches, everything is safe, serene, and without conflict. The problem is, is that's not the church. It doesn't work because we can step out in the lobby and you and I will probably disagree and agree on some things. But here's what we're doing in the world that we're living with because the church doesn't look like the kindergarten classroom we want it to be. We cancel it, we remove it, and then we believe we can go out in the world and build something better. No, because nothing in the world is promoted like the church is by Jesus. He said he would build it, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Here's the problem, is that the gates of hell are not prevailing against the church, it's people are. Selah. Pause and reflect. Jesus says in John 17, 11, I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. Unity is the term that encapsulates Jesus' desire for the church that he said he would build. The preservation of unity is not found in uniformity, but rather missionally and in the name of Jesus. One of the greatest reasons that we've lost our potency, our missional witness, is because we kicked Jesus out of the center and we put our preference in. Unity and mission go hand in hand. Am I talking to anybody today? <laughs> Gospel fluency is dependent upon missional, relational, and corporate unity. So we've got to, we've got to deal with this issue. 
Missional unity is possible when we recognize and become intentional about who we are supposed to be and who God's called us to be. So I wanna offer us some observations that I believe are necessary if we're gonna fight against the dark art of disunity as we defend and preserve the purpose and design for God's church. Does that sound good? Yeah. I need your help today. Here's the first truth that we need to grapple with. Every shout number one. one. Missional unity is empowered by grace. Missional unity is empowered by grace. Let's go back to Ephesians 4, one through three. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility, every shout humility. humility. Every shout gentleness. gentleness. Every shout patience. patience. Bearing with one another in love, forbearance. Making every effort, this is an actionable process to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. The Bible exposition commentary says it like this. We realize that as members of the one body and a local body, we belong to each other. We affect each other and we need each other. Missional unity is empowered by grace. In this room today, there's, there's bucket loads of grace. Come on. My, my family right now is without a wife and a mother. Because <laughs> she's, she's on a trip. And if you were to spend any time in my household, I deal differently with my kids and the regiment of getting them ready in the morning very differently than my wife does. So I found a secret and I employed another grace bearer in her house. Her name is Shiloh. <laughs> it's my middle daughter. And it's awesome because I could ask Shiloh, getting ready this morning, and, and I'm a little bit OCD in my processes, and so uh, you have to understand, when I get up on a Sunday morning, it starts, it starts at about Saturday, 6 p.m., I really start to shut down. Like, if you, if you invite, if we've ever said no to coming to something on a Saturday because you've invited, it's because you won't like me. Um, that's just the bottom line, because on Saturday at around 6 p.m., or maybe even earlier, I just, I don't know what it is, but everything starts to shut down, my mind starts to shut down, and I just get really zoned in. I get very internal, and I'm the most non-internal person there is, okay? I'm an extrovert, but I get really introverted. And then, like last night, we were just sitting there. Everything's quiet in the house once the kids go to bed. And I'm just zoning out, getting ready for today, because I'm going to give a lot of words today, okay? And so, Sunday morning happens, and I get into my mode, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm able to lean over to Shiloh and say, hey, baby girl, can you help get Eliana dressed for the day? And what I love about my daughter, she's like, yeah, dad, not a problem at all. And it's really cool, because if I were to ask Justice to get my little girl dressed, She's gonna come out wearing who knows what at the end of the day, and we've done it before, and my little girl's like, I don't want Justice to get me dressed. He doesn't know how, right? <laughs> come on, anybody got a family like mine, right? And so it's this beautiful moment. What's awesome is that like my little, my little girl, Shiloh, she's got grace for it. She has the ability to do it. And I use that as an illustration to say that every single one of us in this body today has been graced to bring something to the body so that the body can be built up, so the body can be everything that it needs to be, so the body can be what God's called it to be. You matter. But maybe you came in today saying, I don't matter. You matter. You matter. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you matter. For some of you, that's really awkward right now. Turn back to them and go, you matter more. (laughs) 
The church is relational in nature. But sometimes we treat it like an eighth grade dance. Where we stand on opposite sides. You know, Tom and everything. That's what our lobby looks like sometimes. Stand with a coffee. Who's going to talk to me first? Can I just say to everybody, go talk to them. Get off the sidewalls. This is a really practical message today, but this is defense against the dark arts. Because the body, and as the body grows, it's more important. We have a growing church here, if you haven't noticed. And so my hope is that we can stay small and grow at the same time. I hope that we can be the type of church that doesn't get all bent out of shape and we go, well, the church is not, like it's not, it should stay small and comfortable. Actually, no. God's hope is for the church to grow. But God's hope is also that in its growth, we become relational. And somehow we bought into the idea that we erase God's mandate on the church just so that we can have our friendship group. Uh Uh-uh, we're supposed to step out. It's not an eighth grade dance. This is a body. We're all connected, ligaments and joints. And when the body functions right now, sometimes it looks like this. It's not walking the way that it needs to. And as it gets stronger and more connected and the ligaments and the joints and everything gets put together, we become the body that we're supposed to be. Come on, is anybody with me this morning? It's the church. I love messages like this. The the, the church gets me geeked. It's possible. Well, what about hurt? What about pain? We're going to talk about that next week because I know that's one of the dividing issues. Here's another. Here's another one. Ever shot number two? Missional unity is built on a foundation. These are our essential doctrinal truths. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. That's your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in all. Come on, someone shout all. all. <laughs> okay, now I'm gonna go on the record and say this. Everybody listen. This is not an all roads lead to Rome deal. It is a one-way, narrow road, eye of the needle type of deal that begins and ends with Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. When we connect ourselves to that reality, that point, then Ephesians 4, 14 through 15 happens. Watch Watch what happens. Because of this connection, one hope, one spirit, one faith, one baptism. You got all the ones? Watch what happens. Then we will no longer be little children. Is it all right if we study our Bible today? Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the teachings of, in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Now, throughout all three letters of Timothy and Titus, Seven moments, you'll find seven moments where Paul issues the decree to keep the church aligned with sound doctrine or sound teaching. 1 Timothy 1, 10. 1 Timothy 4, 16. 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5. 2 Timothy 1, 13 through to 14. If I'm going too fast, just watch the video afterwards, all right? 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4. Titus 1, 9. Titus 2, 1. All of these moments in scripture, in these letters, are telling Timothy and Titus, keep the church centered on sound doctrine. Then in Timothy 1, 6, 1, 19, 4, 1, 5, 15, 6, 21, 2 Timothy 4, 4, Titus 3, 11. Every single one of those moments, you will see Paul saying, these people have abandoned sound teaching and doctrine. Mm. 
Ephesians 4 tells us not to be caught off guard and thrown around by every idea, ideology, thought process, teaching, wind. Sound teaching is what is necessary to cut through all the noise, distraction and darkness that is permeating our culture and our minds right now. Paul was dealing with, much like today, essential truths being abandoned or muddied as culture, society, politics, money, progression became a standard part of everyday life for these Christ followers. This is the tension, come on somebody, that we're facing still today. And I get it. The Bible Exposition Commentary states something rather important when it comes to this reality that we face, and I quote, it has well been said that truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Listen to what John writes about this. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the Father, here it is, full of grace. What's it say? Full of grace and? Full of truth and? Full of grace and? Full of truth and? It's both and, it's not either or. But what happens is that we lose the potency. Things get out of whack because we want more grace than truth. Or we want more truth than grace. How many of you, come on, show of hands, this is a therapeutic moment, let's cut the tension. How many of you, over the past few weeks, there's been something hard said? How many of you agree with me? Come on, show of hands that there's hard things being said in this, in this Bible right here. There's tough stuff, and, and we've, gotten, we've gotten emails and text messages from some of you, like, hey, are you gonna deal with this? I don't understand this, how are we gonna do this? There's some tough stuff in here. It's grace and truth, truth and grace, and that's why I love every single weekend being able to stand before you today. I just need you to know that I'm not trying to say all the nice things. I'm not trying to puff these words up. We're doing hard work right now. This is core strength that we're working on. Why? Because I'm believing that the well will still be standing with vibrancy and truth and love and grace 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now, because that is who we've been called to be, that we pass it on to our kids, and all those little people over there in the kids' ministry are the ones that are running things and doing things and preaching and leading worship and in our city and in our colleges and in our workspaces. Come on, somebody, that is generational church. My son said to me the other day, he's like, so you guys want to pass it on to us? I was like, not right now. (laughs) Maybe one day, but you're still eating paper, so. (laughs) We'll talk a little bit more about this next week, but we've heard this. We just need to give people truth. Yeah? Or we're just here to love everyone. Yeah? The two ideas don't need to be mutually exclusive. But come on, can we just be honest? Whenever we stand on the camp of we just need to love everyone, how many of you would agree with me we have a tendency to exclude truth? But when we sit in the camp, we just need to give people truth. We have a tendency to be jerks. So we gotta sit in the both and. I use a lot of analogies with my kids because that's honestly where I get to exercise. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. We exercise this, it's, it's, truth, it's truth in love. 
I love my kids, so I've got to help them understand. Like, there's certain times where I'm like, you can't do that. You're going to, you're going to hurt yourself. Yesterday, my, my son, I love him. <laughs> it is so, it's so much fun. I can tell this story. There's other stories I don't tell, but um, I'm going to tell this story. So I look over. We were standing um, uh, at, at, waiting, for, waiting to get a seat at a restaurant, and um, I look over, and I can't find my son. I'm like, where's my son? Where's my son? And his cousin's laughing at him. And I look up, and the dude, there was like a, there was a neighbor next door. He had climbed into their tree and was climbing up the tree. So it's not his property. And I don't, like, I don't know what somebody's going to do. So I was like, Justice, get out of the tree right now. And he goes, Dad. I was like, what? He's like, I can't. <laughs> so he's stuck up in the tree. And I had a thought to myself. I'm like, okay, I could go help him out, try to get him out of the tree, and that would be a grand exercise of love, right? And ignore, ignore the truth, but he knows better. So I stood up and I said, get out of the tree. Dad, I can't. I said, son, you need to figure out how to get out of that tree. And then he said something. He says, but I could hurt myself. And I said, but you should have thought about that before you got into the tree. Some of you are freaking out right now because you're like, I would never parent my child that way, right? The problem is, is that I had a different perspective on the tree situation. He was in the tree and thought that the drop was a lot higher than what I could see as his father who was exercising truth in that moment. I knew that if he dropped out of the tree, he would not hurt himself the way that he thought he was going to hurt himself. But he understood his predicament and therefore he had to rationally work through, I'm never going to do this again and figure this out. I was being loving because I had a different perspective on the predicament that he was in. And so this is where truth and love comes into the play. And when we read this, we go, man, that's really harsh. That's really truthful. But we've got to remember that God has a different perspective on things. And so he offers us truth in order to help us because he understands this one's really going to hurt you. But this one, y'all with me? Truth and love. They're not mutually exclusive. All right, number three. Every shot number three. So much here. We're going to make it through in a minute and 19 seconds. <laughs> Some of you are like, you have a clock? No, you don't. Number three, missional unity is strengthened by gifts. Everyone has a part to play. Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Here it is, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity. Every shot maturity? maturity. Every shot maturity? Maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. The, preser the preservation of missional unity happens through the diversity of the body. A spiritual gift is a tool given to worship God as well as to serve, build, and encourage others. One author would write it like this. Gifts are not toys to play with. They are tools to build with. And if they are not used in love, they become weapons to fight with. And this took place in the Corinthian church. 
God has gifted the church, you, and not just the pastors. Can we get past that? So we have the five-fold ministry that's, that's spoken to us in Ephesians right there, pastor, prophet, teacher, right, evangelist. He's, he's talking about these different functions. We have functional realities. But at the end of the day, he gave gifts to the church as well. It's not just us. And can I just say this? This might blow some of our minds. This is not the most important place in the church. The platform is not the most important place in the church. This is the function that I have to fulfill, the teaching and edification of the body. We're working through really important stuff right now. But the body is supposed to be, that's why we do grow, is how do we help you engage with the gift set and the, and the unique personality and, and everything like that? Because some of you need to be engaged more than you are so that you can operate the, in the very thing that God's called you to and graced you with. But we stand back, we've got issues, it's the church, been hurt by it, embarrassed, insecure, fearful. There's a lot of different reasons. But you matter, and you're needed. Yeah, Come on, is everybody with me on that? Yeah. You matter, and, and some of you are like, well, this is my first week. All right, well, just slow your roll for a second. <laughs> Be around a little bit more. And it's a journey, and it's a process. But some of you have been here for two years. You know who I'm talking to? Because you were here two years. <laughs> some of you have been here two years. And it's time to get in the game. You're like, I don't, I, I don't know where I could fit. You want to know one of the most fantastic places of ministry in this church? The front door. Because people walk in carrying stuff. What are they going to think about me? Are they going to judge me? They don't know what happened last night. And I've watched people who are gifted in such a way that like you're the type of person that when you shake someone's hand and you look in their eyes, so good to see you today. Come on, somebody, it melts. They melt. And all of a sudden, God's grace can be poured upon their heart. Then they step into this, this moment, which is a, often drinking from a fire hose. I get it. Come on, it's scary. Like, I'm so good with talking about these things. Like, it's scary walking into a room like this. Like, it feels like a beehive right now, especially like in this cultural moment that we're in. So you walk in here and the seats are tight. You don't know who's next to go. You're rubbing shoulders. Some dude wants to lift his hands. He hits you in the face. It's got really weird really fast, right? There's a lot of words in the song. I don't know the song. I don't know this. These guys are clapping and jumping like what's happening right now. Everybody's singing and shouting and everything. And then he's shouting at least 90% of his message. What is happening right now? But all of that was a non-issue because somebody shook your hand at the door, looked you in the eye and said, you matter. That's just one of many. You have been given a gift. The body comes together in such a way that without you, there's holes in the net. Number four, everybody shout number four. Here's the last one. Missional unity is guarded by alignment. Missional unity is guarded by alignment. In other words, it's about Jesus. 
That's why he says, then we'll no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Missional unity is not something that we manufacture. It's already given in Christ when Christ is the center. Can I lament for a second? I say lament because it's different than complaining. Come on. Some of you, I just gave you a new word. You're like, oh, that's what I'll call it. (laughs) Here at the restaurant, I'm just lamenting. But the chicken was dry. (laughs) That's not lamenting, okay? I've stayed rather quiet on quite a few issues. I've got personal convictions on what this should be used for and what it shouldn't be used for. I've come to realize that as a pastor, especially of a church like ours, as much as I would like to leave this here and then be able, I've come to realize that I can't. And it seems like everywhere I go, people see me behind this. And I chose that. Here's the problem, is when the rest of the church believes that they don't have this in front of them. So Jason walks around with this, this is really awkward, but just work with me. (laughs) The rest of us though, I leave on Sunday I'm going to say what I need to say. I'm going to post what I need to post. Listen, I, I understand that, that there's, there's complex and massive issues that we're dealing with, ranging from all kinds of things. And I can tell you that in this church, there are people that are representing every political party, every age and stage, race, race ethnicity, socioeconomic realities, opinions about COVID. I'm saying these things now. I'm not gonna give you my opinion, I'm just saying that this is the reality. Now I'm gonna have a really strong rebuke. How dare we split the thing that God said he would build? over the things outside of us. We gotta do better. We gotta do better. A couple weeks ago, if you were here, it says in the letter that God's word is for all these things, the ability to talk about these things. And I'm just, I'm just saying right now, like as your pastor, I just feel a quickening in my spirit to step into this space. I believe that the church can be a blunt 
reinforced object of love, truth, grace, and mercy in our generation that cuts through everything. And the things that we often get hung up on are the things that we shouldn't get hung up on. We should be hung up on Jesus. We should be hung up on his word. Come on, church. We should be hung up on his truth. We should be hung up on his love. We should be hung up on his mercy. We should be hung up on what he's called us to be. the people of God could be as passionate about the gospel as we are about our fors and against certain things in this moment. The world might change. Okay, now I'm going to step on toes. I've watched a generation become more impassioned about masks and non-masks than the gospel. I'm just trying to hit the razor's edge on this one. I'm not giving you my opinion of where I stand on these things. I'm just saying, where's our passion? Some of you are getting really nervous right now. I like, but I just, I just need to know. Where's he? What's he gonna say? What's he gonna do? I just need us to know: is it, is it, is it this? You can have your opinion about these things, but I've just watched more passion I've watched more people memorize what's happening in the news, but tell me you can't memorize your Bible. So. Can I be your pastor right now? So then we wonder why we're fear-laden and insecure. It's because I memorized the CNN headline, but I didn't memorize Proverbs 4. So I'm carrying around what these guys are saying and what Fox is saying and what Twitter is saying and what Instagram is saying and what Facebook is saying. And I'm just wondering if I could start stationing my mind on something that is never changing, always the same. Sometimes we gotta put it down. I can't go to bed at night with the latest headline. I gotta put, I gotta go to bed at night with his peace guarding my mind. I can't go to bed at night with Twitter flashing around in here. I gotta go to bed stationed in his word. Cause when my heart and my mind are anchored in his truth, that's when I stand. This is what keeps me grounded. This is what keeps me whole. Jesus. I ask everybody just to bow your head and close your eyes. I need you to know that my intention in my heart so you can hear me is not to offend for the sake of offense, 
And I'm not trying to position commentary on each thing. There's validity in our views. But my job today is to see if we can move past, not past, but if we can come together with missional unity as the body of Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today you'd say, Jason, I haven't heard about this Jesus before. The one who's building and guarding and guiding this body that I can be a part of. And I wanna tell you, friend, that to be a part of the body is to accept Jesus. To be a part of the body is to say yes to the one who is the head of it. And maybe if you haven't made that decision today, I wanna give you the opportunity to do so. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around in this moment, we're gonna pray together. An important prayer, but one albeit that the posture of our heart is the most important thing in this prayer, and it's saying yes to Jesus. I wanna ask everybody to repeat this after me so we don't leave anybody out, but especially those of us today who would say, man, that's me, I I wanna say yes to him. Would you just say this out loud as loud as you can? Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. Today, I'm turning from my ways and I'm following your ways. In Jesus' mighty name, with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, come on, would you just shoot your hand up right now? I just wanna know that you're with us. Awesome, right back there. Come on, anybody else today? Saying, this is me, this is my moment. Saying yes to Jesus, right back over here, so great. Come on, anybody else today? Saying, this is my decision today. Man, fantastic. Come on, can we lift our head, open our eyes? Can we give all those praying that prayer for the first time? Come on, can we celebrate? I love you with everything that I am. I love my kids and my wife more, just as a heads up, okay? But I love you with everything that I am. And I just wanna say thank you for allowing the space and having the intestinal fortitude to walk through some of these messages like this. Because I think we'll become stronger on the backside. So please, I hope you hear my heart today. I'm not trying to offend. I'm not trying to just say things. I'm I'm being calculated about what I'm I'm saying. I'm trying to just get us to go higher. Does that work? I'm not invalidating anybody's opinions. I'm not invalidating any of your thought processes and studies and things like that. I'm just trying to get